If you want to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians 6.12, 1 Corinthians 6.12, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful to me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly and belly for the meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? To For two, saith his, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Plea fornication. Every sin that a man doth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sins against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let's pray that, please. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we looked at thee that you would open up our understanding that we might be the true followers of Jesus Christ, and that we would use the, our bodies and our souls and our spirits in a way that's pleasing in thy sight, and that we not be reprobates and not do those things that are embarrassing before thee and to thy people and to the, in, the, in the world, that they might see that we love the Lord Jesus Christ and do those things that are fitting in his sight. We just ask your mercies be upon us, that you would have edify each saint and, and all things that you might be honored and glorified in the midst of an evil and, evil and wicked generation that Jesus might receive much glory and honor. We pray these things in his name and for his sake. Amen. Faith, law, freedom in Christ is entitled the message. And uh, Paul, by the Spirit, asked them six times in this uh, chapter. Now, verse 2, do you not know? And then in 3, 9, 15, and 16, know ye not? And these are rhetorical questions, and of course the answer is yes. And to each one of these that he asked the church at Corinth, did they understand that these things were so? <clears throat> and we have these, uh, uh, they were indisputable propositions. Only the saints' uh, problems were that sometimes Satan is ignorant doesn't know things and so we must grow in wisdom and grace and knowledge sometime it's willful ignorance that they really know for sure what God says but they find somebody that's a twisted little bit and they'll decide to go along with that version even though they really know in their heart that what they're saying is wrong <clears throat> and so it and uh, so then that we need to put it in proper perspective I was thinking about a person who for willfully would drop a heavy object on his foot. And then after he drops the heavy object on his foot, complains because it hurts. We think, well, what do you think was going to happen? And sometimes children of God are like that. They go out and sin, and then God chastens them, and you say, what? Why is God chastening me for? And all along we've wanted to drop the, if you will, the heavy weight on our foot, and we're the one that caused the, the if you will, the <clears throat> chastisement of the Lord to come upon us. And so, therefore, we should know better. That's, 
if you will, willful ignorance <clears throat> to blame God for him chasing you when in reality you know that he, he's right in all that he does. <clears throat> and Paul starts out here, and I was going to preach this on this uh, verse, verse 12, <clears throat> and I might go back and catch it later. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And then he goes, the meat's for the belly, and the belly's for the meat, and the body's for the Lord, and not for fornication, and so on and so forth. Now that passage, and exactly what he's talking about is in the Jewish religion, it all mattered. If you weren't circumcised, if you didn't circumcise your children, that child wasn't a Jew, <coughs> a son, and... If they didn't keep the Sabbath day, then, you know, they'd, uh, after a while, they would be considered out of the, out of the church if they, or out of the synagogue. And, and then if they, they went around eating pork, I mean, that would really excommunicate them. I mean, that would be no hope for you if you eat pork. And, and we just go through all the lists that you, as you've read the Old Testament, it says, you know, you did this and you did that. And, all of these put them outside of, uh, if you will, the protection of God as the Jewish nation because they were flaunting their wickedness and sin before God. But Paul says here, all things are lawful to me. And what is he talking about? All things is lawful. And as I mentioned, he, all, he goes into this great <clears throat> things about fornication and, and he speaks just a little bit meat for the belly. Uh, which we'll say something about. There are uh, other conditions. And so when we think about uh, being saved, the only requirement is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other requirement. There's no other requirement. You don't have to keep Sabbath day. You don't have to uh, obtain, uh, abstain from things or touch not, handle not, and do not. And... and uh, there is a only requirement, that is belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. And now, we would say, as the Scripture says, well, if you really believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then there's some things that you wouldn't do. If the Holy Spirit is really living within you, and as you have to be born again, if you're born again, then the Spirit is living within the, in you, and if He's living within you, then uh, he, you'd grieve the Holy Spirit, and you'd be the most miserable creature upon the earth if you willfully sin and yet there's not one sin that the Bible says you can commit to take you out of the family of God. Not one. And so Paul says all things are, are if you will, <clears throat> they're lawful but not all things are expedient. I mean, uh, there's things that if you will that tears down our testimony, dishonors Christ, dishonors the church. Now church membership's different. And being in Christ, you just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're saved, but church membership's different. There are some things that the Bible says if they do these things, then they can't be in the church. The church is the discipline. Paul goes through great lengths there in verse 7, <clears throat> chapter 7, about those that was in the church and he's had his father's wife and so on and so forth, and they said, you know, you're puffed up and all this, you need to repent, you need to uh, move, remove this guy from the church. But removing somebody from the church doesn't remove them from God. 
if they're saved, they're saved. If they're not, they're not. Whether they're a church member or not. And when we think about church membership, the only ones that God recognizes is the ones he places in the body. That's the one he recognizes as being his church. Sin, we think uh, uh, a saint can't remove, if you will, sin can't remove him from the family of God as we mentioned. Paul starts a section which is constituted of our continuation of the section before, the lawfulness and of some things. Many things are lawful for the child of God, but all things are not expedient if we remember. But he's saying he emphasizes the importance of one body. To the Greeks, your body was useless. To talk about the resurrection there in Acts where it speaks of the resurrection of Christ being raised again, the Greeks thought that was just foolishness because they understood, if you will, in their, in their religion, in their belief system, the body was just nothing. When you left this world, you went and, and become one with God, something like the Hindus or uh, different ones, and or you'd be in the... Uh, under the chamber of punishment or something or another. depends on which religion and which the, where you fell into. And, and the certain gods would protect you and certain gods wouldn't and so on and so forth. Some would be enemies if you worship one and not the other. And so they had all of this, but the body was nothing. And, and to think that in Christianity our promise is that this thing that's sowed into the ground is the seed of a glorified body. We lay it in the ground and Christ is going to raise it up. And it's going to come raised up as a glorified body. So they didn't think the body was worth anything. So fornication, overeating, gluttony, all these things didn't count because the only thing they thought was of any importance was the spirit of man or the inner man. That's all they thought. And so when uh, the gospel started being preached to the Greeks, and they said, they said, to, <clears throat> they said here, you, you, know, you, you must sustain from these things. You know, and they uh, would tell them what, how to live a godly and holy and sanctified life. And this was hard for Greeks to understand or comprehend or grab onto. And that's the reason at the Sermon on Mount Mars, that uh, they said, well, we'll hear you another time. Now, there was a few that did believe, but most of them rejected the message, and especially when he preached the resurrection. And they separated themselves from them. <clears throat> but God saves us every whit. He saves our body, He saves our soul, and He saves our spirit. There's no... No saving just of your spirit and your soul and your body has no value. It's the saving of us to the very depths, to the every whit. That's the reason that we're to abstain from things that the Scripture tells us to abstain from. Not that we might gain our salvation or not that we might keep ourselves saved, but that we honor God and that we use the temple that He's given us. We mentioned this morning... We use it for the things that are, if you will, glorifying to God, not, if you will, bringing dishonor to them. And we know in 1 Corinthians or Corinthians church, they had a problem with a lot of sins. And I mentioned last time, it tells the different ones that would not make it. And 
And uh, the point of that is, those are the sins that were in the Corinthian church. He's not talking about the sins in Corinth, because the long there'd be a longer list. But these were the sins that were in the Corinthian church that need to be corrected, and and we are following on through that. And fornication was <clears throat> the two things that are mentioned here is gluttony and fornication, and <clears throat> and these are the. Uh, and the gluttony is only mentioned slightly, and then the fornication takes the rest of the passage to the end of the chapter. And so the Acts fifteen twenty nine that ye abstain from meats offered to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from, and from fornication, for, for which if ye keep yourselves, ye shall do well, fare ye well. Now, this was the Jews that the Jerusalem church was telling the people at Antioch uh, what they should do. These were not, if you will, if you do this, if you don't do these things, you're excommunicated and moved out. But what they're trying to do is keep peace in the church. And so part of this is has to do with the Judaizers and the other ones was the Christians or those, those who were saved or the Gentiles at Antioch. And they went to Jerusalem to see if they had to be circumcised, if they had to do, go through all the ceremonies, keep the Sabbath day and keep the new moon and so on and so forth. And, of course, the Jerusalem church says, no, these are the only things that we require. And, and even in that, it was, if you will, to keep peace among the churches and and we know in the book of uh, what Romans 16 is first mentioned of a Gentile church. All the earlier churches, of course, were Jewish uh, in nature. That is, the majority were Jews. <clears throat> because of sin in us, our fleshly desire sometimes takes over. That's the reason it's not expedient. That's the reason that if we sin, and gets more into it in chapter 7, that if we sin, we become under the power <coughs> of the, if you will, under the power of our sins. In other words, it becomes our master. And that's the reason that we need to be careful that we don't fall into some sin. And then, if you will, that uh, there's a song, and I <clears throat> I can't remember it to, say, <laughs> to save my life, where it talks about sin taking you further than you wanted to go and cost more than you wanted to pay. And there's another thing it says there, but it... It speaks what it, of what sin will do to us. And uh, some people think they can sin with immunity, and yet uh, God <coughs> uh, doesn't like sinning on purpose. He doesn't like that. And what God will do, he'll leave you longer than you wanted to stay, cost you more than you want to pay. And as I mentioned, there's a third one. But the point I'm making is, that song is speaking the truth because presumptuous sin, God, when he chastens, he's going to chasten for a while. David, he confessed his sin and he had a consequence to that sin. <clears throat> he was saved as much as you or I are, but he committed that sin with Bathsheba. And here we have down the few years later, his Absalom at the gates of Jerusalem. And this was part of the consequences of David's sin when he sinned with Bathsheba because it was a sin on purpose. It was, if you will, a presumptuous sin. 
And and in being that, it cost him more, took him, kept him longer than he wanted to stay. And there's a consequence to these things that we do. There's some things that we might do just at the time and just unthinking, and we find that it costs us the rest of our life. And these things are, again, presumptuous sin, and you say, well, they don't seem right. Well, you're still saved. And one of the ways you know you save God chastens those whom he loves. If you're without chastisement, if you do these things, the Bible says if you do, then you're not his, and you do these things, there's no consequence to it. There's no problems with it. And, and you can go on just like you've been going on. Then let me say to you, you're not saved. God really chastens those whom he, whom he loves. I told this probably too many times, but I, <clears throat> I had a deacon come to me and told me him and his wife had never been chastised. Never. And he said, here you're talking all the time, you're without chastisement, you're lost. And I only, he said, I want to tell you, I'm just as saved as you are, and we've never been chastened. I said, well, you have to take that up with God and the Scriptures. <clears throat> and... Uh, and he was really upset, and he's upset really, I think, because he was questioning whether he was really saved or not. Meats for the belly, the word meat here refers to any kind of food, and not just the meat. It's, as we think of meat, it's just anything. It could be the meat of the nuts and pecans or whatever and, and, uh, that we might eat. God made the food for man in Genesis 1, 29 and 9, 3, and 4, and God, uh, in before the flood, <clears throat> they, just the herb eatings we find there in 129. He speaks about every tree which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed. To, it's, to you it shall be meat, the herbs, and all the rest that it speaks about in that chapter. But then, after the flood, then we see in 9, 3, and 4, every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herbs have I given you all things, but flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. And then 1 Timothy 4, 4 through 5 tells us there that whatever God has made for food, uh, we're not to reject it. We're not to, if you will, keep away from it. We're not to uh, dishonor God, but not eating what he has provided for us as food. Let's just go there real quick, 1 Timothy 4. First Timothy, the fourth chapter, four and five. <clears throat> it says, For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused. It is to be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So the word of God tells us what we can eat, and that's anything God's given to us for food. And of course, you know, though, before that, it's speaking about <clears throat> the... Uh, wicked people, those speaking, come and speak in uh, hypocrisies, and it says forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, and which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. So we are to take what God gives us, and and you say, well, I, <clears throat> sometime we get to thinking, well, was it always talking about what they'll antichrist abstain from this? Let me tell you, that's a doctrine in the United States. I mean, that's the new thing, you know. You don't have to eat beef. You don't have to eat any red meat. And, 
and uh, now we're going to fish is not good, you know, and and uh, you know your brother's a monkey or he's a he's a whatever he might be, and and so this is abstaining from these things, and and people really <coughs> are taking it, you know, and they they speak of them as well. I don't eat the nut meat. I don't eat red meat, and then others say I don't eat the meat at all. And so they, and they look at them like they're somebody because they don't do that. They're dishonoring God. And you say, well, some things you shouldn't eat. Well, the Bible tells us, you know, that we should eat, do everything in moderation. I mean, if you take fat and just pour it down your throat, you might have heart problems down the road somewhere. Uh, but if you do all the doctor tells you and do everything he says, you're going to die anyway. I just guarantee you, you're going to die. And no matter what you do, if you go on these diets that they give you for, you know, that you're not supposed to eat this, that, and the other, and then you live a lot longer. <clears throat> My dad tried that, and he died. Died of a heart attack. <clears throat> the point I'm making is we're all going to die. But either honor God or dishonor God in this life. <clears throat> God... Not only made man that the way that he is, but he mentioned, as mentioned above, made all his creation for the purpose that he put him here for, and man is the center of that. It was created, if you will, and God put man in it to be to subdue it and be, to be over it, and everything is here is given to man to use. It has a purpose. And we're to use it according to that purpose that God has given it. And not everything's be eaten. He says of which he's given for food. There's some things that are not given for food. Now I know in some of the military training, and the Bible, I have to say the Bible says it's so, so I can't go against it, but I'm not too much on eating locusts. I don't think I, I never had a meal of locusts and, my wife's never bought any locusts that I know of, and, and uh, yet it's one of those things that the Scripture allows. Even for the Jews could eat locusts, and so there's same things that said every creeping thing. And uh, some of the things creep I don't know too much about. I, I know people eat snakes and so on and so forth, but the point I'm making is that everything God's made is, has a purpose connected to us one way or the other may not be for food. It may be for something else that <clears throat> helps the environment or uh, takes care of the bugs, takes care of the uh, rodents, or the rodents take care of the uh, this, that, and the other and clean up and, <clears throat> and, if you will, disposes of the things in our atmosphere when a bird dies or, or something, animal falls to the ground that before long is cleaned up. The skeleton may be left behind, but it's cleaned up and God's created everything for a purpose, and everything serves a purpose according to God's goodwill and purpose. <clears throat> As food for the belly is, so is the word of God for the spirit of man, Matthew 4, 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Man is trichotomous. He's three elements, body, soul, and spirit. And some believe in a dichotomous, that is, just a spirit and body and no soul. And First Thessalonians speaks of the being edified in your spirit, soul, and body. 
and so that we be help, be holy when Christ comes. The communion of the food is of, of communion with God and for the spirit, if you will. So the soul is the emotional part of man. The body is what uh, eats the things of the world. The soul is nourished by, if you will, intellectual things, reading the Bible, studying, memorizing, and all the things we do. And the spirit is where we commune with God. A person that is lost cannot commune with God because his spirit is dead toward God. Being born again means where the spirit is made alive. And we can commune and, and fellowship with God. Otherwise, we can only fellowship with men and the things of this world until God opens up our ability uh, to do that. There in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, 44, 1544, starting there. <clears throat> it is sown a natural body. <clears throat> it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. <clears throat> and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam's made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that which was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and after that which is spiritual. The first man of the earth is earthy, and the second man of the Lord uh, from heaven, as it is as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy, and as in is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of the eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall rise, it raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this and, and uh, this mortal I put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, the strength of, the, of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory <clears throat> through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So he talks about the earth, he talks about the heavenly, that which we have cannot get to heaven. You can't go to heaven in this. And, and the kids used to sing a song, and I can't, you can't go to heaven in a Cadillac. And, and uh, when you had vacation Bible school, that was one of the songs, and Tells the different things you can't go to heaven in, and it ends up you can't get to heaven without Jesus Christ. And the only way that we can be transformed, that is acceptable to God to be in His place, in His kingdom, in New Jerusalem, is that we must be born again. However, God did not make our bodies for fornication. And the word fornication means illicit sex, that is, any sexual conduct that God forbids is illicit. So what is that which God forbids? Any sex out of a marriage of a man and a woman. 
Now, uh, over here in my notes, I'll reemphasize that, and for time we're not going to get there, but I put in there a marriage between one that was born male and one that was born female. Because today, you know, the, they say, well, uh, we're in, <coughs> we transitioned. The first time I heard that, what they, what they mean by transition? Well, the male becomes a female and female becomes a male. And some of them, you know, you can hardly tell, you know, it seems like. But let me say to you, that's fornication. Fornication includes any of those things, and that absolutely denies God's right to create us as it pleases Him to create us. If He's created you a male, you're a male. If He created you a female, you're a female. I had to ask a, a, a person who was playing the guy one time, he was over at the a parsonage, and we were sitting there, and and uh, I said, but what was you born? And the one that was playing the woman, she said, <coughs> I, that's, he said, really, he said, yeah, have I been anything else to you but a man? I said, I didn't ask you that. I asked you when you was born, what you was born. And, <coughs> and the point I'm making is they really think that God made a mistake. That's the whole premise of it. That the reason that they are like they are has nothing to do with their parents, has nothing to do with anything else. It has to do that God <clears throat> made them wrong. He put them, their psyche of a woman into a man's body or vice versa. <clears throat> Let me say to you, God doesn't make mistakes like that. Now, there's some Enochs that are Enochs from birth up, and they're not made Enochs. They're just, that's just the way they're born. And, and mentioned in Matthew, and speaks of those that uh, are in the world and, and abstain from things. And he's talking about the Enochs and so on and so forth. And, and the point of that is, is that not everybody's made for marriage. The Bible doesn't say that everybody's made for marriage. Some are not. And there's a few other verses that speak of that, but there can be no bed, uh, bed undefiled in any other way. Uh, in Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and idolaters, God will judge. Now, the only honorable bed, again, is those that are married, and, and, and their relationship is between the two of them, male and female. And that that is the... That's the only thing that God authorizes. That's the only thing that God recognizes is that, if you will, that kind of marriage. And there can be no bed, there cannot be a bed undefiled if it goes into wickedness, fornication of any kind. And and, uh, I'm going to deal just a little bit with uh, speaking of... uh, I'm trying to figure out what parts I want to preach and what parts I'm not. <clears throat> Some have tried to limit the word fornication to mean only premarital sex, which is is, is fornication. But <clears throat> sleeping with a prostitute is fornication too. Sleeping unmarried with somebody is fornication. Anything that's not in the wedding bed, if you will, not done, if you will, as a married couple is illicit. That's it. 
There's no in-between to it. There's not any say, well, you know, it's just an accident and fell off the wagon. You know, it's like some drunk talking about, well, it just fell off the wagon. And <clears throat> let me say, that's sin against God. And these are the, uh, some of the more serious. They're in Matthew 5.28. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So Jesus took it further than just committing fornication. And I, <clears throat> I don't know the, uh, uh, how people do, but <clears throat> I know some men think, well, you're supposed to do that. I mean, I've had them tell me that. that that's just the way a man is. I said, the Bible says not, you're not to do that. I said, when you've done that, then you're guilty of adultery. You're guilty of fornication when you do that. And you they said, well, yeah, well, how, how can you? And they just go through this long spiel. And I said, and the body is not made for sin. I said that we have weakness, and some people have different weakness. I mentioned alcohol a while ago, and some have gluttony problems. Some have fornication problems. All kinds of problems come by the flesh. But we are subdue them by the grace of God and by the Spirit of God in us. And man, God made man for himself. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God said, Let us make men and not man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over on the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man, his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created him them. 9, 6 of Genesis, Who sheddeth man's blood? By man shall his blood be shed, for, he, for in the image of God made he man. And so capital punishment is almost non-existent. I mean, some states still have it, but they don't use it. And you say, well, what does that make a difference? Well, if you read the Old Testament and he talks about the sin of Jerusalem, <clears throat> one of the sins of Jerusalem is that innocent blood was shed, and that innocent blood wasn't atoned for. You say, how do you atone for that? You take the party that kills somebody and put them to death. That's the way you atone for it. If you remember, if there would be somebody dead out in the street here, I mean, say in the wilderness, whoever, whatever town was the closest to them, they had to go out, and, and if you will, to find out. And the circumstances, they could find out how the guy died and who killed him, then they'd put him to death. It wasn't any, you said, well, you know, we'd put some innocent people to death and so on and so on. That's very possible. <clears throat> I mean, according to our justice system, sometimes that'd be very possible that that happened. So we don't want that to happen. So when God come to Jerusalem, that was part of the innocent blood that he's speaking of. Now also, we know Manasseh had killed a lot of people in in Jerusalem, and they were innocent also. So part of that was Manasseh killing all those people that disagreed with him, and so that was part of the innocent blood also, but it was never atoned for, if you will, before God. And we bless God and the Father, therewith we curse men and are made after the similitude of God. James 3, 9 tells we're not to curse man. And is speaking of because he's made in the image of God. <clears throat> defame that image, if you will, you're defaming, uh, if you will, God. We have to have our fellowship with God and each other. 
1 John 1, 3, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now in this passage, it doesn't mention the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. He's speaking of the fellowship of the Son and the Father, but other passages speak about our fellowship with the Spirit, how the Spirit guides us, directs us, and in all things lead us, but other places is called the Spirit of Christ. And so when we think about God, uh, we try to separate him sometime in the Trinitarian view to three different gods, but there's just one God. <clears throat> and he is, shows, reveal himself in three persons, and he is three persons. However, the body is made for the Lord and not fornication. Our body will be raised even as Jesus' body was raised from death. And let me say to you that <clears throat> if somebody says, how can <clears throat> Jesus find, you know, the people, some been cremated. And somebody talking about a Christian burial, <clears throat> a Christian burial is a burial. That's where it got its name from because the Greeks burned their bodies, the Indians let the animals eat them or burn them, and, and all different kinds of religions do different things with the bodies of people, either help them get to be one with God or whatever it is, but we bear them looking for the resurrection. <clears throat> but if they're lost at sea and eaten by sharks, God's going to raise them. If they've been burned up, <clears throat> God's going to raise them. Now you say, how can God do that? i tell you the truth, I don't know. The Bible says he's going to do it. I don't know how that you can say, let there be light, and there be light. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how you can just take and place the sun in place. I mean, that's what it speaks of. It didn't say it just all evolved, and we, got, we finally got where we wanted it, and then we... No. It speaks of Christ just sitting the stars up there. Now, how did he do that? I have no clue how God did it. Other than he spoke, and it was so. <clears throat> he did it in six days. How could he do that in six days? I mean, we, we, couldn't, even, uh, we couldn't even get the signs put up, you know. We we're going to build some. We couldn't even get the signs put up in that time. But yet he created the heavens and earth in six days. If he can create the heavens and the earth in six days, he can raise anybody he wants to. Now, some people say it's electric energy. And I looked at that for a while. I thought, well, that kind of makes sense, you know. We're electrical beings and electric in the brain and all that. And I thought, well, you know, a battery dies when you put in the ground. And you don't have a lot of electrical there left, and it dissipates. I don't know how God's going to do it. I don't know how Jesus is going to ascend from heaven and call only his up. That's exactly what he's going to do in the rapture. He's only coming. He's only going to raise his people that have died. He's going to raise them in the resurrection. They'll precede us, and then we'll be raptured up right behind them and meet the Lord in the air with them. How's he going to do that? I have no clue. <clears throat> That's one of those things we take by faith. God says he's going to do it, and we believe he's going to do it. <clears throat> Therefore, <clears throat> so when we think about the things that God says, <clears throat> it either we believe what he says or we don't. 
And as I've spoken about the body, <clears throat> it's going to be resurrected. Now, somebody says, oh, we're going to look like we look here. We're going to look like Jesus. Whatever kind of body Jesus has, that's what we're going to have. And <clears throat> somebody says, well, what's our face going to look like? I don't have a clue. You're going to say, well, that's George. And I don't know. He doesn't say. But it does say we'll know as we are known. And Paul tells us that. And so we know that we will be known as we are known. And I don't think there'll be a rester there and say, find out, well, what John looks like or something like that. I, I don't understand. So how are we going to know everybody? I don't know. <clears throat> it's not going to be the same as this body. It's not going to be the same as this brain I got here. <clears throat> this brain is limited. You can only put so much stuff up there. And when you put so much stuff up there, something's got to give. And <clears throat> so you're limited in all these things. The bang, We automatically start losing memories, even if you don't have Alzheimer's or something. There's some things that fade away. And you can sometimes recall them and sometimes not. The generation of our spirits, God has saved us and, and as human beings. And if you will, we're waiting for the redemption of our body, as it mentioned in other passages. We're waiting for that time when we will be glory, have glorified bodies. But now we have been regenerated by the grace of God and our spirits have, have communion with God. When Adam failed... <coughs> He lost that ability to commune with God. It's the same communion he had in the garden all along. And man has no ability to commune with God until God opens up that pathway, and that is by being born again or being regenerated. <clears throat> shall, we, shall we who are one with Christ be joined to a harlot? Um, and we'll just speak on this just a short time. Uh, some believe that when you're when it speaks about becoming one flesh, and the example that it gives in our scripture is talking about marriage. It's talking about becoming one flesh, taken from Genesis, <laughs> third chapter. And so uh, it's speaking of that. And so he said, Well, you're joined with the heart, you one flesh, or, you know, fornication, all this, that, and the other. <clears throat> and it's, uh, we're not going to all the details, but it's not marriage. Marriage is a solemn thing that men. And women do before God. Now I know that everybody don't believe in Almighty God, but there, uh, as human beings, there's those ceremonies that put two people together, and they're not to be separated until death do them part. We know that uh, a divorce was allowed because the weakness of our flesh <coughs> is mentioned in the in the scriptures. And <coughs> but nonetheless, uh, we are to be careful that we. Uh, who we join in with, if you will, because we, if we will, we dishonor God. We dishonor our own bodies. There's people talking about SDs and all these things, you know, that people have. And, and I uh, went to the dermatologist, and this thing they had, I mean, it, I thought, I don't even know if I want to go there or not. I mean, the questionnaire, I thought, maybe they have AIDS patients there. I didn't know what they had. And the questionnaire is specific on a lot of things. And I thought to myself, this is just the way it is. Do you want to be called he? I mean, it asks, first of all, if you want to tell them who you, what you were. 
And if you want to tell them what you were, whether that was what you really are, or you want to be called to something else. And whether you want to be called he or she or it or what, it just, <clears throat> I, I thought to myself, this has gotten weird <clears throat> in our society. <clears throat> Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation be without covetous and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. <clears throat> know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And <clears throat> we'll have to deal with this a little later uh, in other messages. I probably cut too much to be covered in one message. But we'll take off there, and Lord willing, we'll catch up next time uh, on that message.